This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, hello and welcome to the show on this snowy Sunday morning. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, Steve Ellis, CEO of Columbus Construction, will join us to take your calls about the three R's. Reconstruction, remediation, and renovation in Metro Vancouver. And how to ensure you get the best bang for your buck. But first... Here are some of the consumer stories we're following this week. We learned on Tuesday the Conference Board of Canada's Consumer Confidence Index rose nine points in February, the highest monthly increase in two years, putting the index at its highest level in more than seven years. So why the upbeat numbers? The board points to a recent string of solid job creation nationally, along with an improved economic forecast this year and an apparently successful first meeting between Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump, which helped relieve some concerns over future trade activity as reasons for more optimism. As you might expect, the biggest increases in, increases rather in consumer confidence came from Ontario and Quebec, where most Most of the new jobs have been created. All three prairie provinces are reporting increases too. Our index here in BC is up a little, just over 2% as well, just ahead of this year's election, something the BC Liberals are likely to try to exploit. The only area in the country where there isn't a boost in consumer confidence is Atlantic Canada, where levels actually dropped by almost four points. This is not surprising, I suppose, given the weak economic forecast for that region of Canada. The index of consumer confidence, by the way, is an indicator of how we see our job prospects as well as how likely we are to want to buy big-ticket items like homes and cars. We told you last week about Snapchat's parent company going public and trimming back its expectations by three billion bucks just a couple of days before doing so. Well, it turns out their reduced expectations were absolutely blown away by the marketplace. That share price valuation we talked about a week ago right now was going to be in the 14 to $16 range. They actually started at $17 and the stock quickly shot up to over 24 bucks by the end of the first day. And here's where it gets a bit weird. You see, Snap Inc. lost $515 million last year and $370 million the year before. In fact, it has lost money every year since it began its commercial operation in 2011 and has warned it may never earn a profit. As for its competitors, Facebook makes money and Twitter doesn't. And Snap shares are now worth more than Twitter. Go figure. This next part isn't weird, however. It's terrific. A California high school has made millions from their shares in SNAP. The president of St. Francis High School in Mountain View said the school board agreed to invest, check the numbers here, friends, $15,000 in seed money five years ago when the company, SNAP Inc., was just getting started. They had been invited to do that by one of the student's parents who was a venture capital investor. So on Thursday... They sold uh, the Snap shares, as we mentioned, sold for 17 bucks each, and then the prices went up 44% higher. The school, at the beginning of trading, sold two-thirds of their shares at $17 each and raised $24 million. 
That'll buy you a few new musical instruments and playing fields. Lucky students. And they still have funds inside SNAP. Would you be more likely to eat McDonald's food if you could order and pay for it ahead and pick it up at the curb or never leave your house in the first place? Well, McDonald's hopes so. We first heard Mickey D's was working on the features back in 2014, a plan the company confirmed last year. Well, this week, McDonald's told its investors that it will finally bring those options to some of its restaurants by the end of this year. Their president admitted that the chain has lost hundreds of millions of visits to competitors over the last five years in America. The trend, uh, trend rather, the company is trying hard to turn around with initiatives like the new mobile app. Consumers will be able to access their app profiles, which can include their preferred payment methods and a customized list of menu favorites on the touchscreen ordering kiosks McDonald has introduced to some U.S. stores already. And we have some of those here in Canada, too. And for those who just don't feel like going out in public to get their food at all, McDonald's says it's experimenting with different delivery models, including partnering with third parties like Grubhub. It's all about enhanced technology to elevate and modernize the customer experience. Experience, says their CEO. It's a departure. We'll soon see if that's what consumers want. And finally, kilograms or pounds, inches or centimeters, ounces or milliliters. And before you get on a rant about how it's 2017 and we convert it to metric in 1975 and get with the times, man, the folks at Angus Reed did a poll, well, just last month. And it turns out the answer to those imperial or metric questions is depends. Apparently, most of us still, still prefer to express our height and weight in feet and pounds. We cook our food at Fahrenheit temperatures, and we buy houses and land by the square foot and the acre. The percentages in some of those categories run close to 90. Yet, we also refer to the temperature outdoors in Celsius. We travel our huge distances in kilometers, and we measure gasoline, beer, and other terribly important liquids in liters. Much of that has to do with the next-door neighbors, of course, who are resolutely non-metric and who are our biggest customers. But the pollmeisters also found age as a factor. Canadians over 55 are still proficient with the old imperial system, while just under half of people under 35 say they know that system well. The metric measurements we do adhere to are the ones we see in our day-to-day -day lives. Road signs and speeding tickets are cited in kilometers. Our weather apps tell us the temperature in Celsius. And our milk jugs and growlers measure liquid by the liter. I'm curious what our construction industry guest will tell us about which format they use in his biz. And guess what? Canadians are fine with the balance struck between using the two systems, for the most part. 42 years after the big switch, two out of three of us, 67%, say it's okay to keep using that mix of metric and imperial. And all the results are on the Angus Reed Institute website. So much for being with the times. I had a, a, a text from our grandbaby's mum the other day. They'd been to the doctor. Baby's weight is X number of kilometers. X point X number of kilometers. I had to pull out my phone and my calculator to find out how much my granddaughter weighed. Those are some of the stories we're following this week. We'll look at a few more later on. We'll also have a steel report. And today, Linda looks at texting and tendonitis. Yes, 
It's a thing. Up next, Steve Ellis from Columbus Construction will join us with lots of good information on getting the best value for any construction or renovation project you may have. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Hey, welcome back. It's 1116 under quite cloudy skies and, uh, well, rather sloppy streets, to say the very least, this Sunday morning. Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio now by Stephen Ellis. Mr. Ellis is the Chief Executive Officer of Columbus Construction and Renovation here in Vancouver. And, as it turns out, an old radio guy used to do the news on CFUN back in the day when Freddie Latrimo was hosting the morning show. Steve Ellis, welcome to Vancouver Consumer. It's great to meet you. Thank you very much, Sterling. Good to meet you. On this lovely, snowy March day. Ain't it peachy now, huh? Ain't it peachy. Tell us a little bit about Columbus Construction. Then we'll take some phone calls here. By the way, lines are already open. 604-280-9898. Got a renovation project going on. Got some problems around. And you're just at your wit's end as to how to fix it or how to be able to afford to fix it or how to find the right person to fix it. Give us a call. Steve's your guy. Tell us about Columbus Construction. Well, Columbus is a uh, a company that... uh, Primarily is involved in restoring and repairing leaky condos. Okay. Or as we now like to suggest, uh, condominium homeowners who have deferred their maintenance long past their best before date. Ah, uh-huh. leaky well, condo is not a very popular. Oh, terminology it is. Right it now. is not, but it's certainly recognizable and has been for decades. And unfortunately, we still have them, don't we? We still have a lot of leaks. But I, th- I would suggest that most of the leaks are uh, neglect of owners not looking at the telltale signs of water ingress. Mm-hmm. Water ingress is the, the number one issue that we deal with. It gets into the wood. It causes immense structural rot, costly, costly repairs. And for the, the lack of fixing that little hole on your vinyl deck, uh, you get water uh, coming into your building for 10 years, and the next thing you know, you're replacing all of the structural supports for that deck. You sometimes are going right inside the suite uh, to to be able to get those joists repaired. Uh, so what was a very minor repair turns into thousands and thousands of dollars in repair. Negle- by neglect, you've created a monster. Oh, yeah. It's exactly. a big monster. Now, we, we used to, leaky condos, of course, you used to be used to be able to drive around Kitsilano and see buildings completely enveloped in plastic and being completely redone. You still see that, Steve, but you don't see it as often. And it's no longer just around Kitsilano or False Creek either, is it? Fairview Slopes, that area. That used to be where most of them were. You're looking mostly at the older, the older three-story, four-story, five-story buildings, uh, predominantly wood. Uh, water is quite fickle. It doesn't matter how it gets in. If there's a little tiny hole, it'll find its way in. Mm-hmm. And where the water shows up is not necessarily where the water's getting in. It could be 20, 30 feet away, but water always runs to the low spot. So that leak in the middle of your living room ceiling could be coming from an exterior wall uh, 20 feet away. And it doesn't take a heck of a lot. I had an engineer once tell me if if you took a building with all its openings and its windows and its doors and and dryer vents and and hood vents and you and you laid the wall flat horizontal on the ground and you covered it with two inches of water, do you think that wall would leak and it's a little puzzling question that most people say, well. Probably it would leak somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what happens in this West Coast environment. You've got rain pelting against the walls. The water is constantly saturating the walls. There's a little negative air pressure inside the unit drawing moisture in and wind pressure from the outside pushing water in. These walls get wet. So if 
if you take the premise that water is getting into the wall or into the structure, uh, how do you get it out without causing any damage? And that's what, what our company generally gets involved in investigating. How did the water get in and how much damage did it cause? And what's the cost to restore it now that you've discovered it? A lot of the leaky pro- uh, condo problems in the, in the early days uh, were, they say, uh, due to inferior building code practices. They were just, they didn't recognize the need for proper moisture uh, guarding and and protection and that sort of thing. I would assume in the wake of that period of, holy cow, another building that's all leaky, that the the codes have been altered uh, to the, in favor of people who now live in condos that don't leak as much. Absolutely. They've acknowledged for sure that water's getting into the wall. Now the current code standards and the technology are saying, okay, let's say water's getting in the wall. We acknowledge that. How do you get it out of the wall and have it not cause any damage on its passage uh, through the wall and and out to the exterior again? So that's building wall technology. That's uh, uh, Columbus is a member of the Building Envelope Council of BC. This is a group of engineers and suppliers and trades that are looking at best practices, constantly uh, keeping on top of the code changes, the best practices, guidelines and changes, materials. In the old days, an overspecified material that didn't perform well or a bad design, I think, was uh, a lot of the the cause of the leaky condo. Back before the Barrett Commission uh, did their report on leaky condos, uh, we were being told through the industry that, you know, that caulking, you just didn't fix it. You should have kept the caulking maintained. I remember the, I remember the caulking conversations. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so even even by today's standards with the building code, if you, if you meet the building code and you put all the components together, uh, but you didn't do quite a good job with the with the workmanship, you could still end up with a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty hard to guarantee that you would never get any water into the building. The idea is you and you have to understand water's getting in. Now you want to make sure you get it out without causing any damage. And they call that rain screen technology. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the current standard uh, in, the, in the construction industry. But they're always tweaking and changing that with different products, different materials. And, uh, and the engineering community is, is very much on top of that. The issue that we're dealing with uh, with the older condominiums is they were built under very old codes and very old standards. What do we do with those and how, do, how far do we go? Uh, right now, do you replace all of the walls, all of the windows, mm-hmm. all of the doors? As used, as used, as used to be the case, yeah. pretty much, wasn't it? And if, and if you get involved in targeted repair, now you're not able to establish warranties for the repair work because you really haven't fixed the whole building. You've just gone in and taken a little piece of the building out and repaired the, the structural wood rot and, right. and you put it back together again. But you didn't fix the, the problem for the whole of the building. You just identified that one section of the building that happened to be evidencing a water leak. Let me, let me ch- ask a, a, a similar question from a different perspective. I'm going to put myself in Greg's shoes. Greg is our technical producer. He and his wife are right now They've been pre-approved. They're out there in the marketplace with their elbow pads on looking for condos and townhouses and stuff. So in the process of being a smart shopper, and they still want stupid money for all of these places, so you want to get the best bang for your buck, Steve. What do you look for as a a shopper like Greg and his wife when you go to look at a place, particularly in an older building? What signs of water damage or wear and tear that maybe are a little off or a little unusual, what should they be looking for? 
the obvious signs to look for on the exterior of a building, and again, sometimes with architectural design, if you don't have an overhang on a building, if we used to say if the water never gets to the wall, it will never leak. Right. So if you have a big overhang on the building and water never gets to the wall, you're going to have far fewer problems. But if it's a building that doesn't have overhangs and there's a lot of staining, look around flashings where water may be dripping and running off the building. Uh, uh, there are curb cover, uh, flashings covering uh, curbs along the edges of the building sure. that uh, are going to be weeping water and streaming down the sides of the walls. Look at the corners of windows for, for staining. Uh, any good shopper, particularly shopping in the strata uh, world, uh, should be trying to trying to obtain a copy of a depreciation report. This is something the government recently introduced for right. strata corporations to develop uh, uh, depreciation reports, which is a 30-year plan for repairs and maintenance. And hopefully somebody's come in uh, in preparation of that report and identified all these problem areas and attached values to that. Uh, the worst thing for a, a homeowner to go in and buy a brand new place and be excited and move in and then see a great big repair bill. Right. You didn't account for that in your budget. Well, and as a member of, of a strata community, you, there are no options here. You, you, uh, by virtue of being uh, in two hundred three, you owe uh, a certain percentage of the tab to fix the roof or the water leak or whatever it is. There's no out uh, options in no, this at no, all. No, and this is why the depreciation report was developed and implemented because, uh, you know, you've got Mrs. Jones. She's on a fixed income. She's been retired. She bought her her retirement home. Uh, she's been in there. Uh, she again fixed income. She doesn't have lots of resources. No flexibility, right? And she gets a bill for a hundred thousand dollars for a special levy from her Strata Corporation to repair the leaky condo right. that she lives in. She doesn't have a lot of options. Her choices are either come up with the money or sell, or sell it and move out. What yeah. about inside? And uh, now you're talking about the exterior of the building. Greg, you're taking notes here, right? right? Okay. Now, what about inside? When he walks into an individual unit, uh, now obviously somebody will likely have slapped a fresh coat of paint on things, kind of spiffed it up. It's, you know, being sold after all, so it's being showcased. But still, if you know what to look for, um, you might notice what? What are you looking for on the interior? Certainly looking at drywall, looking for any signs of previous moisture ingress. The drywall tape is lifting and peeling. Uh, there's little ripples or bubbles. There might be a dark stain. Sometimes just painting alone, unless you seal the stain, the stain will come back through the paint. Exactly, right. Uh, look around the windows for any soft spots in the drywall. Uh, look for any mold, mildew, condensation issues. Uh, the uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the older aluminum frame windows, they've now gone well past their best before date, if, mm -hmm. if they're 20 years old. Uh, the corners are usually screwed together with a little dab of uh, silicone caulking in them. Uh, if they're leaking, little bits of water can be getting into that wall down below the window. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a long time for that to evidence itself. There could be a little bit of dampness or staining at the carpet around the edges of the walls. Uh, I've seen it so bad that mushrooms have been growing out of the carpet at the edges of the walls. No buying a place with mushrooms <laughs> growing in it, Greg. He, he's ticked that one off. He's no. good. He's a thumbs up on that one. <laughs> and, and, and again, the you have to you have to you have to look for just any signs of moisture. As I say, the moisture can be far into the building, very far away from the the source of the the, the problem. Mm -hmm. um, usually, it's windows, uh, doors, walls. 
Uh, even even in a well-constructed building, if you've got a patio deck and let's say the membrane for the deck runs up the wall beneath the cladding or the siding, yes. the problem that you've got is the patio door is almost flush with the deck. So how do you properly waterproof the membrane as it goes up and under the door? It should, should be a little, it should be yeah. raised up an inch or two at least, yeah, a bit so, of a lip and, and as buildings settle, the water could be running back toward the building, not off the edge of the balcony. So you look for that kind of thing, that type of settlement issue. Only got a minute here before we do have to do break for the news. Uh, older buildings versus brand shiny spanking new ones, which are pretty sexy looking, some of them. But one wonders about the quality of construction. Is an older building, uh, in some cases, better built than the new ones? Or, because it's 2017, the Trudeau excuse, is just be just new stuff, just better, flat out, period? Depends on the, the vintage. In the 70s, there was a certain type of construction, uh, usually, usually wood uh, construction, and there was some wood construction issues, building paper issues behind the wood that caused real problems. Then we got into the 80s and we started to use the acrylic stucco. And it was a very thin coating over a wire mesh on top of building paper and right, plywood right, sheeting. Right. Uh, that didn't perform particularly well and was subject to a lot of problems. So a 90s uh, and later a yeah, building ni- 90s we started to see some significant changes, but they were still fiddling with, with the building codes and the, and the specs. So mm-hmm. it, it changed definitely for the better. 280-604-280-9898. The phone lines are wide open to Steve Ellis, CEO of Columbus Construction. We're back with lots more on Vancouver Consumer. 1135 under quite cloudy skies this Sunday morning. Sterling Fox with you, joined by Steve Ellis, the CEO of Columbus Construction and Restoration. Steve, we uh, we started talking about the company before the break, and, the, and then I got sidetracked on leaky condos because, well, that's a kind of a Vancouver thing, and you know that all too well. Uh, the company is headquartered in Richmond. Yes, it's in Richmond, and we've been in Richmond for the the whole length that the company's been in operation. Uh, We've actually been around for about 25 years. It's had several names, and in 2004, rebranded with a a couple of the new owners, uh, old good friends of mine who uh, had been in the business for quite a while, and uh, now one of the sons of one of those owners, and he has another partner. Uh, they've taken over and rebranded the company yet again as uh, as a company that does the th- more, more of the the engineered uh, projects. So taking a, a strata corporation that has hired an engineer and they're going to refurbish the whole development, mm-hmm. uh, they'll put that uh, specification out to tender with a number of contractors and the qualifying contractors will then submit bids. And those are two, three, five million dollar projects. And you've got one underway right now on we've Kingsway, got, right? Yeah, we've got one underway in Kingsway. We've actually got a couple of them underway. Where about in Kingsway? I drive Kingsway fairly uh, regularly. It's uh, I I won't give the exact location. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's it, it's uh, in, in on the east side of the city. All right. uh, it, it's a cooperative housing project. Okay. We're, do, we're doing it for uh, a company that does co-op management. Uh, so working with the strata corporations, cooperatives, and the professional engineering community, that division of the company works on the major projects. And that's a redo, a complete redo that's of an old co-op. That's a complete redo. That's the, okay. that's the full building envelope, wall restoration, windows, doors, uh, roofing, uh, and and those are usually... Uh, they come with warranties because when you're doing the whole uh program, you, you basically do it under what is now, it used to be the Homeowner Protection Office, yes. but it's now BC Housing. They've changed the name just recently. Uh, so we're a licensed building uh, envelope renovator uh, through BC Housing. 
and we have warranty through uh, the new home warranty program that we can offer on qualifying projects. Uh, where we have to provide bonding, both uh, bid bonding, maintenance bonding, performance bonding, and uh, we have to be properly insured. So there's quite a number of hoops you have to jump through to be qualified to bid on these major projects. And then, of course, the other division of the company uh, that does targeted repairs, we work for most of the property management companies uh, that manage strata corporations and some rental uh, projects and work for a few strata councils directly. And then we have a handyman maintenance division that, uh, again, works mostly through the property management uh, companies. But these are very small repairs. It might be a leaking deck or a leaking window. Mm -hmm. A very small repair just needs somebody to come in there and spend a day or two fixing it. Uh, so there are the three components of the company. And you were saying before we, we were having a coffee before we started an hour ago now, uh, you were saying that tradespeople are really hard to come by these days in Vancouver. If you're a qualified journeyman tradesperson, uh, you are pretty much in demand and can write your own ticket in Metro Vancouver. It's a tough go finding qualified trades. We have about 60 carpenters and helpers working with us right now, and, and we specialize mostly in, in wood frame reconstruction. Uh, we don't get involved, involved in the fire flood restoration work. It's all reconstruction oh, okay. of, of uh, predominantly wood frame buildings. We've done a few maintenance repair jobs on high rises, but we us usually, because they're a little bit more sophisticated and they require high angle work to be done, scaffolding, rope access, uh, we have to plan that with usual, usually partners. We partner up with people for that type of work, but uh, our specialty is the wood frame. Uh, we, we, we source leaks. We we fix leaks, we we work on leaks, water is our life. Well, uh, you're on the edge of the rainforest, no and, surprises there. And a lot no of people making a good yeah. living off water in this part of the world. Yeah, there's no shortage of, uh, of repair work. And what does snow do? I mean, here we are with another, I, I was going to do a thing, Ben and I were talking about this, I was going to do a thing, just open up the phone lines and say, what was your first, what, what came first to mind when you opened the curtains this morning and looked outside? And I thought, you know, this is a family radio station, we probably shouldn't do that segment, because <laughs> a lot of us have had the biscuit with snow. How much more difficult in terms of problems to property is snow than rain? Vancouver doesn't deal with it often enough. Uh, there, are, there are significant problems, especially when you get, uh, particularly the type of Vancouver snow we get is that big, heavy, wet snow. Exactly, yeah. If you get, it, uh, you get enough of it on some of the structures, the weight alone will cause buildings to settle. Mm -hmm. uh, and we see it with and, the trees out in a yard. Yeah. And buildings can open up a, a tiny bit under that weight, uh, just breaking seals and caulking. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and any piles of snow built up from a sloped roof against a sided wall uh, could cause water to leak in behind if it's not properly flashed and properly papered. So right. there's lots and lots of uh, uh, problems that we can associate with snow, but because we don't get it so often, uh, it's always such a, a, a big shock and a surprise to us. Uh, our company at one time used to do snow clearing and removal, and we had, to, we had lots of expensive equipment. But there were three years where it never saw the light of day. Mm -hmm. So we said, "Those no, are the days we remember fondly." Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. And then, of course, you get a year like this year, exactly. which is we're saying it's an anomaly. But renovations. Let's talk renovations for a couple of minutes because you do that, and you, especially yep. on older wooden buildings, which of course uh, there's plenty of in yes, Metro Vancouver. Absolutely. What is the most common mistake? A lot of people have decided, you know, this crazy, crazy real estate market we live in. Yes, we've made a ton of money on our house, no question about it. So we're going to sell it, and then we're going to have to 
buy another equally stupidly expensive place to live in. So why don't we just stay where we are and spruce the place up a little bit, spend a few bucks, and renovate. So when people do that, what is the most common mistake they make? Renovating it and then selling it because you never get your value out of it. Ah. Renovations are are a good payback if you're staying for another five to ten years. So if you renovate a home, uh, and you and always when you're when you're marketing or trying to sell a home and you're renovating, you might be renovating to your taste, but not to the buyer's taste. True. Uh, so renovations are are big. There's a lot of DIY uh, shows on on television now, and That's a lot of sure. people are quite interested in doing that. Uh, I think Vancouver's real estate market skewed things a tiny bit because you could make such a well, you you were getting a huge lift on the value of your home mm-hmm. just by throwing it on the market, regardless of the shape. Uh, the market was so fast for a while there, they weren't hiring building inspectors to come and do an inspection on the property before closing the, the purchase transaction. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty scary thing that we saw for a while. Uh, but the, the renovation thing is still, if if you like your place, you like your neighborhood, you like where you, you live, there's nothing wrong with renovating and trying to squeeze a few extra years out of that property. But just make sure you stick around long enough to see the value come but, back to you. But see the value come out of it. Yeah. Okay. There, there, there are formulas for you know how, how many years does it take to pay back on a bathroom renovation or a kitchen renovation. Those are the, the two most popular. Right. If you're doing other renovations, the payback may not be so immediate and so, uh, so lucrative. What about additions to the home? People decide, well, you know, we were going to buy, we're going to move to that part of town because we need an extra room or two or whatever. But, you know, it's as expensive there as it is here. There's no value in moving. So why don't we just bang off the back of the house and add a couple of bedrooms or a den or a sunroom or whatever. Uh, so it's more extensive than just redoing the kitchen. Oh, there's lots of opportunities, uh, but it, but all of those are subject to your local uh, government authority. Right. Are, are they going to allow you to do that? In Vancouver, there was a popularity for laneway homes, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, We did a option. show with a couple of guys from Lane, Lane Fab, in oh, fact, right. was one of our guests here. Right. Interesting guys. So, I mean, and there's some fabulous looking laneway homes out there. there I wouldn't are. mind living in one myself. I've seen a couple that uh, I would move into yeah. myself, yes. <laughs> and uh, so that's an option. The... Uh, you know, going through the expense of lifting a house and then putting another uh, story on it, uh, those can be quite expensive. And, you know, I, you really have to crunch the numbers to see whether or not it's going to be of, of great value to you. Uh, again, how long are you going, going to be staying there? And the other point that I think is well taken, Steve, is that the renovation or addition or whatever your improvement, let's call it that, to your property, uh, may not be what the next buyer is looking for. For example, and a good one, is a swimming pool. Right. A lot of us, well, what a pool in the backyard, kiss me again, absolutely. Well, not everybody, especially people with children, is real keen on having a pool in their backyard. Nope. First of all, it's high maintenance. And secondly, with small children, it's high risk. Yeah. So your idea of a fancy-schmancy backyard, including a pool, may not be the next prospective buyers at all. Sure. Well, we, we don't... We don't suggest that you do nothing to the home if you're going to be putting on the market. You know, a little little lipstick on a pig doesn't doesn't hurt from time to time. I but, suppose. You know, a little decorating, and there's a lot of staging you can do to, to help market a home. Nobody wants to see all your clutter, so if you have a nice professional staging of your home, mm-hmm. uh, then that goes uh, that goes a long way to actually market the home. But to, to do a big, expensive renovation and then put the, the home on the market, it, it, uh, it probably doesn't pay back all that, that well. It's just not going to come back to you fast. 
fast enough to make sense. Not, not really, no. You want to be living in it and enjoy your renovation. And usually that's why people renovate, though, isn't it? Rather than, than well, let's, let's do this, and then we can sell it for that much more. Most people renovate because they like where they live, and they just want to spiff the joint up a little bit. I've renovated several times myself, and uh, being one who's lived in drywall dust for months on end, uh, it could be a bit trying oh, to, sure. to be there, but uh, the end result is always great. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that people should really consider if they're, they're feeling they want a refresh or a renew. Uh, you know, in the real estate business, they say, congratulations, you just sold your home for a market uh, price uh, that has set a new record. Uh, the unfortunate thing is now you have to go and find a replacement home. Exactly. And right now the market is, is, is a bit tough. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with renovating and staying uh, again. But for each individual, look at your budget, look at the numbers, see if it makes sense for you. Um, so, uh, and I was talking about mistakes uh, because we're talking about a fair bit of money here too. Because uh, we, we uh, so in addition to uh, making the right decisions on the right type of, as you say, kitchens and bathrooms are likely the most uh, renovated areas of the house. What other kinds of typical mistakes do people make? DIY, very popular. You can do it like the guys do on TV, but you're not them. And you don't know how to do electric wiring, and there is a threshold that you you need to stop at and go. Time for a pro here, right? Absolutely, there are lot, lots and lots of horror stories of uh, of people doing their own home renovations or bringing you know Uncle Bob or cousin Fred in, and he happens to have a little knowledge. And you know, the next thing you know, when you go to sell your home, uh, and people look and say, "You've made a renovation here." Can I see the building permit for that? Uh, was it inspected? And if Ooh. you can't produce the documentation, uh, you're, you might be a, you might be up against it pretty hard. You might have trouble selling that home if you didn't do the right thing and get the right permits and the right inspections done. Somebody might ask for those permits, and if you can't produce them, uh, and you could have somebody make inquiries of uh, the local government authority saying, I've been looking at this house and they did this at renovation. Do you have something on file here? Right, that uh, showed that uh, you uh, gave them permit. You might have a, a knock on the door from a building inspector saying, gee, we just had an inquiry about your home. Right. Um, so but, what happened, just, just as a, a, a complete aside, if somebody from City Hall shows up because you didn't get a permit, you went ahead and renovated anyway, are you on the hook for a fine? Might they ask you to, they were not going to ask you to take it all apart, but uh, because you didn't get a permit. You did the old end run around the bureaucrats. Ha, ha, ha. Well, now you've been caught. So now what? They can actually ask you to remove the, the work that's been done. Um, there are penalties. They can assess the penalty and, and add it to your tax statement. There's. It depends on the city. It depends on the jurisdiction. depends on what type of egregious... Right. How, far, how, far, you, how much you, of an end run yeah, you made, right? I mean, uh, if, if you went three feet too high on the garage that you just decided to throw in behind the place, they could possibly come along and tell you to take it down. Right. It's not, uh, it's not beyond the pale to, to see that sort of thing happen. So homework, of course, is critical, especially when we're talking about the kind of dollar figures around Metro Vancouver. And it doesn't matter where you live in the Lower Mainland. Everything's expensive. So if you're going to uh, mess around and, and, and do some renovations, you're going to be spending a fair bit of money. So why wouldn't you do the proper homework in advance? Oh, absolutely. Again, we, we, look, at, uh, we look at suggesting that if you're going to get into any kind of major structural additions or, or changes, you know, get a hold of an engineer, have it properly done. Uh, 
you know, you don't want to be walking to the new addition and banging your head on a door that's too low or mm-hmm. having to step up or have a trip point uh, because you didn't meet the right elevations. I mean, there's so many additions that we see that just simply weren't done well at all. And in the context of getting the best bang for your buck, you have to be prepared to help yourself from the get-go. And a big part of that is just homework. It's just that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Again, homework, uh, you've got to look at the, um, you, you've got to look at the, uh, what it is you're trying to to renovate you've got to look at the products and materials the the current building codes the standards you can always renovate to three standards uh, good better and best mm-hmm. and each one has a dollar value of no kidding uh, columbusconstruction.ca is the website columbusconstruction one word .ca is uh, the website lots of great information uh, with uh, for, with respect to property uh, management companies strata communities and individuals uh, who want to just learn a little bit more about how to do things right and get that best bang for your buck Steve Ellis is the CEO of Columbus Construction it's been a real pleasure meeting you and a great conversation thanks so much for coming by thanks for having me columbusconstruction.ca Our thanks to Steve Ellis. Back with more on Vancouver Consumer after this. Well, our thanks again to Steve Ellis of Columbus Construction for a helpful and informative visit today. It's time now for the Steel Report. And today, Linda looks at texting and tendinitis. I'm Linda Steele, and this is your Steele Report. If you're someone who spends the majority of the day texting or sending emails on your smartphone, you might want to take a break for a bit. Thumb tendinitis is on the rise, especially with teens, and health experts are blaming the smartphone. A recent study has found the average smartphone user might click, tap, or swipe their screen about 2,000 times a day. Excessive users do it more than 5,000 times. In general, what they come in with is either catching or locking or pain associated with their thumb. Dr. Teresa Weirich says the problem is that our thumbs aren't designed to do that much repetitive activity. So what happens is the tendons that flex the thumb and the tendons that straighten the thumb get overused or inflamed and that's what causes the the catching or locking or pain associated with that. They can actually get scarring or fibrosis in the tendons which can cause damage to the tendons in the long term. Doctors are suggesting that if you start feeling pain in your thumbs associated with smartphone use, take a break. They recommend laying the phone on a table and using your index fingers to type and swipe instead. Thank you, Linda. Steel and Drex, weekday afternoons, 2 to 6, right here on News Talk 980 CKNW. couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. Women's fashion retailer BCBG Maxis Ria has filed for bankruptcy protection, a move that will see it close down its 51 locations across Canada. The high-end women's clothing chain is seeking protection from creditors under Chapter 11 in the States and under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act up here. Early this year, BCBG began closing down 120 of its 500 locations worldwide as part of an effort to downsize its physical stores presence. Here's the part that's really starting to sound familiar. BCBG is blaming lagging sales in recent years due to a, quote, general shift away from brick and mortar 
to online retail channels, close quote. A trend, it says, has negatively affected many similar retailers. BCBG was founded in 1989 in Los Angeles and employs just under 5,000 workers. They join a growing number of retailers here in Canada who may have either filed for bankruptcy or closed down shop in the past five years, including Jacob, Bikini Village, Danier Leather, Smartset, and Mex Canada. On the flip side of that coin, we heard a week or so ago of an attempt by Hudson's Bay to take over Macy's to add to its list of retail stores, which already include Lord & Taylor and Saks Fifth Avenue. So far, uh, Macy's not exactly jumping at the opportunity. It's always been tough in retail, and now as we're finding out more and more, and we just saw numbers from December's Christmas shopping to even uh, substantiate this greater, online shopping is making the bricks-and-mortar retail world tougher to live in. We've been on this story for weeks, and we aren't likely to see it go away anytime soon either. Retirees are increasingly showing up at insolvency trustees' offices and credit counseling centers, staring down a mountain of debt with little income coming in. Many are in dire straits. More and more seniors are going bankrupt, say the pros in the insolvency biz, and the reasons are simple. People are retiring with debt when that never used to happen before, say the pros. Jobs are indeed less secure. There are periods of unemployment in many people's lives, and many more have defined benefit plans. Uh, Fewer have defined benefit pension plans. Many people head into retirement with rent or car payments. But now the income is fixed, and you pile debt payments on top of that, too. The typical amount... Most seniors come in for a credit counseling session with, on credit cards alone, $33,000. Many seniors also support adult children, which compounds the problem. Financial advisors have seen cases where cash-strapped elderly parents have sold their homes, their last source of income, and given the money to their children without mentioning their own rather desperate financial situation. Or of seniors co-signing mortgages or loans for adult children only to be held responsible when the adult child fails to make the payments. The other situation typically is a medical crisis, which often leads to a visit from a son or daughter who discovers a mountain of unpaid bills, and that acts as a catalyst for a financial intervention on the part of the family. And that's when retirees find themselves at a debt management firm or insolvency trustee office looking for answers. We had Blair Manton, a trustee with Sands & Associates, on this program just a couple of weeks ago, and the good news is they There are people who can help. Their advice usually begins with something like this. Put away your pride and or embarrassment because we're not here to judge you but to help you. And arrangements can indeed be made. Relief from angry letters, even angrier phone calls and emails can be close by. The trick is to take the first step to help yourself and your family. The stress relief alone is worth a conversation with a professional. And those conversations, by the way, are usually free. And that is our show today. Thanks again to Steve Ellis from Columbia Construction. Thank you for joining us. We're back next Sunday morning at 11 with another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Stay with us. CKNW Weekend begins after the news to noon. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.
WCKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.